This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. To be fair, my team's in it, been in it a lot more than, yeah, okay, the last decade or so. I was waiting for that. Park yourself. We're back in it one year, yeah. Joe, why don't you piss off over there and take a photograph while you're there? Hello everybody, my name's James, welcome to Planet FPL People's Poll Podcast. Today I'm joined by Clay and Fernandez. how are you Clay? I'm good mate, you? Yeah, good. Before we get on to People's Poll, watch game last night? Uh, <laughs> I had a mind blank there, Brentford City, no, I didn't, <laughs> I was salsa dancing, so no, I did not watch the game. I'll get him telling him when he's salsa dancing yeah, salsa like dance, in public. I, um, I, thought, I thought I made that clear anyway, but um, I had Philip Foden in my team after your recommendation a few weeks ago, so thank you for that. I don't press the buttons, you do. Yeah, but um, no, I didn't watch the game. Uh, yeah, what has, is there to report on? Uh, City, very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Jeff. Sorry, mate. I don't want to ruin your thunder after Sunday. But Great yeah, insight, City, that. <laughs> City were very... I mean, Flecker made nine saves in the first I half. Heard, yeah. um, none of which were like out there well. So it was one very good save in there, actually, to be fair. Um it was a lot of he can't save Toffee. He saved everything last night. Right. Duncan so, Alexander, all right then, Nico. Duncan Alexander, you know, is a bit of a stato. Yeah, he tweeted out that uh, at halftime, three percent of Brentford's saves in Premier League history had been made by Flecken in that Jesus first half. Christ. Am I right in thinking he got a ten pointer or something? Possibly with those saves. What did he, he got get? an assist? Oh yeah, he assisted the goal as well. <laughs> he assisted the goal, which quite amused me last night as well on uh, social media. The amount of people that didn't know that you couldn't be offside from a goal kick, I found quite amusing. Right. But decided to refrain from making comments. Um, Brentford fought fairly valiantly, sure, but City just cut above. They obviously picked a very offensive team yep. with uh, Foden essentially playing off the left, but basically allowed to go wherever he wanted. Um, De Bruyne and Alvarez behind Hall and Bernardo Silva on the right. And Rodri obviously sitting well behind that. Yeah, good. Good. There's it's vulnerabilities in them because they give everyone a chance. Yeah. But yeah, very good. Comfortable winners. All in look fit. All good? Yeah, fine. I mean, he had a, he had a 1v1 chance very early. In the, uh, I say very early in the game. I think at 1-0. Um, it was either just before Morpé scored or just after. I think after. Um, which you normally expect to score. But... Yeah, it was fine. It was a good link on, on the, the hat-trick goal for Foden in terms of the weight of assist is very good. Didn't look like particularly sluggish or anything. I know it didn't look like it's peak, but he hasn't played for six weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it'd be fine going in for Saturday. And for those who probably don't own it, you've... Get him. <laughs> probably. And, and know that... But also, those who don't own would take that last night. Right? Yeah. If I said to a non-owner in FPL or even in Sky, like Holland to get an assist... You'd probably take it. Yeah. It's worth saying 70% of the top 1,000 bought him in Sky last night. So oh, I wow. I don't think it was many not doing it in Sky, but it was a few in FPL obviously didn't. Foden, obviously, the headline off that. Yep. Good return from De Bruyne. Um, on Foden, I think, before we get too deep in it, it's just 
for me, he's been playing too well to get dropped. Yeah. That's been my consistent lot, yeah. on it. It wouldn't have surprised me, by the way, if he didn't start last night. But that now adds to it. That doesn't mean he's going to start every game with Man City, right? But should Phil Foden right now be a part of Manchester City's first choice eleven? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. And yet, there have been people just before he got the first last night. I've been thinking, I need to move this to De Bruyne because oh, really? De Bruyne's involvement in the opening forty minutes or so was way more threatening than Foden. Like I said, he was off the left, but allowed to move. He was finding it quite difficult to get involved, I felt. Then the longer the game went on, the more he found himself. Okay. Super talent. Uh, right, anyway, People's Poll Podcast. That's yes, generally sir. what we're here for today. So there were three options put out for a vote on Twitter yesterday morning and through the afternoon, um, and a very, very clear winner. So there were three options. So the theme is very much January transfer window. The top 10 all-time January buyers, I thought might have been a, a nice, nostalgic, Retro thing to do. Nope, you didn't want that. The new 2024 signings and list them all and introduce them to you. And if someone said to me, I don't know if there were any, so that's a shit topic. And I said, I'm that's so fine. fucking glad that didn't win. Why? That would have been so boring. But there are some signings and most people don't know who they are yeah, and stuff, but right? They would have so. been boring as hell. All right, well, people <laughs> didn't vote for it, so it's okay. <laughs> so you. what we've got instead, and Sudge isn't here because we need Sudge for this, really, is an FFP <laughs> slash PSR impact conversation. Essentially, the impact on 2024 and the January transfer window, what may be the impact for the summer and what may be the impact for the future. What we're going to do with this one is, because Sudge isn't here, not go deep on the financials and generally just kind of have a, a, a conversation about what impact it's had so far, we use our money in football pods on Patreon for kind of more the, the deeper money detailed side of things. And we've done that already, specifically on Everton and, and Nottingham Forest and Chelsea. And we will do on other clubs in the future as well. My first question to you, though, Clates, would be, if Everton hadn't been deducted 10 points, do you think there would have been more money spent and more signings made in January? Yes, because I think people would have chanced it a little bit more I think that set the precedent for you break the rules you'll get punished whereas I think the last few years like FFP was always a bit of a running joke in football media right? He's got no teeth yeah. is what most people said yeah. So I think yeah absolutely it set the precedent what about you? Um, I don't, I, maybe we don't know but it, it feels like that Sure. It, it feels. It certainly feels like a few. A few people have gone. Oh, sugar. I mean, it didn't stop Forrest adding a few more in January. Although, look, it's, loans it's, yeah, pretty much. Basically, right. yeah. Um, and they've tried to get a few off the books, wages wise and stuff as well. But in terms of the established, let's say the top half clubs, it's only really my club that did anything. Yeah. And um, as you said on the previous people's poll, we did. You sold a homegrown talent for circa 100 mil yeah. in the summer, right? So, And there is that. I was thinking about it a bit more deeper the other day about should actually Tottenham have gambled a bit more at this stage? Because you know you've got that 100 million pure profit. But then I think there's also things maybe people forget like Kulusevski and Romero's deals being turned into permanents. I think Romero was the year before, but I think Kulusevski actually falls into last summer's okay. business. But yeah, because Tottenham got 100 million of pure Harry Kane profit because he was a player that came through the academy, then yeah, there was, I don't want to say excess to spend, but from an FFP perspective, you're pretty much covered. Yeah. Like Villa as a, a kind of alternative case point at the moment would be, there's a lot of speculation, this may change if they qualify for the Champions League, but there's a lot of speculation that someone may have to be sold in the summer 
to balance books because the Jack Grealish sale, their 100 million That's of pure profit, is now come off the three year period. Um, and Villa obviously gambled with with some other signings. We know that their expenditure was probably a little bit more than it should have been before they got promoted back to the league. They recently have been following a model like many other clubs, selling these young homegrown players. Grealish is, is one. They obviously didn't want to sell. But you've got Philogene Biddens went to Hull City. Cameron Archer went to Sheffield United. Carney Chukwamika went to Chelsea a couple of years ago. Yep. And these are being booked as pure profit. To clarify, pure profit as a detail is, is quite simple. We used the, the Harry Kane example here. So Tottenham sold him for circa 100 million. I don't think we know the exact, but just for simple maths, it's say 100 million. Tottenham obviously didn't buy anything to get him into the football club. There'd have been an investment through academy, etc. But, but they didn't purchase him for anything. So on the books, it's a zero. When you sell him, it's 100, it's 100 million straight in. Obviously, if Tottenham had bought him for 50 million and then sold him for 100 million, your profit that goes on the books is 50 million. Yeah. It's just simple logic like that. That's why the selling of these homegrown players um, is one that a lot of people investigate and take your club. But like the names I've, I've heard over the last week or so, people like Reese Nelson, and Eddie Ketcher. and Ketcher. Yep. Smith Rowe's been touted. Smith Rowe, yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, and that's, again, what we spoke about on the previous thing. I think one of the questions that came in was... As a result of PSR, FFP, are we going to see a trend of homegrown talents being shifted? And yeah, I, I think that's the way it might lead. I, I, I don't like this. I don't like it either, but I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I spoke about this on, on a pod we did recently that I, I think it just feels against principle to encourage the sales of homegrown players. Yeah. That said, I, I, I've read a, a, a case for argument that it stops clubs stockpiling these players so like Chelsea's a great case in point and they always get pulled up for the amount they've they've spent on players but actually what's allowed them to do a lot of this is many of the, the sales of the homegrowns for decent fees that we forget about people like Tino Livramento even yeah was obviously sold to Southampton for for a decent fee there's been lots of speculations about Conor Gallagher now but what it has done a little bit was I think if you go back sort of five years or so, Chelsea's academy teams were just madly dominating. Yeah. And you, there was a case to say, yeah, they're, they're stockpiling. So I have a counterpoint to that, where I actually think you might see that happening more often because teams... What, stockpiling? Yeah, I think teams might look at that as like an investment for the future where you can invest early on, develop them, get an asset. It's horrible to think of it this way, but get an asset that's worth more that you can then cash on the books. So I, I think it might go that way. Where, like if I, Again, we spoke about Brentford's model, Brighton's model. I think if you're looking at teams outside of the greedy six, I think you probably should look at uh, invest in your academy, stockpile, get assets that are sellable, cash in. Well, yeah. Um, just to be honest, it's quite a simple logic on it. And Chelsea have done their business from that perspective very well. For This has been happening for a long time with Chelsea. Certainly goes back pre-Todd Bolly, etc., in terms of the, the profit being made on selling homegrown assets. Yes, I think you'll begin to see a movement of certain clubs going, we need to get players in potentially earlier and younger from other clubs. But I also feel like that's not a new thing, right? No. Think about you nicking like Fabregas from yeah. Barcelona and stuff. Um, eventually becomes homegrown. That's it as well. Also, if you get the foreign players um, early enough, like Papsar, for example will become it's homegrown for Tottenham Got next it. season. 
That that was one of my questions, though. It's like a catch twenty two, right? So if you're having to sell homegrown talent to balance the books, there's also still homegrown quotas that you have to fill, right? Yes, so. there, there is that. Yeah, I don't. I feel a little bit uncomfortable with the the developing of young players and then looking at them as commodities that have got to be sold young in their career. Yeah, me too. Take the Gallagher example, which we have to keep mentioning because it keeps getting brought up regularly. And it will keep getting brought up for a couple of reasons. One, he's out of contract, not this summer, but next summer. So under Chelsea's model and the potential issues they may have about PSR at the moment, stands for Profit Sustainability Report, Gallagher is an obvious sell for them if he won't sign a new contract. But at the same time, all the word is that Gallagher wants to stay Chelsea through and through. So they might push him out the door. They might get him to sign a new contract and still push him out the door because they'd look at him as a sellable asset. But if Chelsea wanted to sell him in January, there's a lot of clubs, I know my team had been linked to him a lot, were looking and going, we ain't going to force it now. You'll be more desperate come the end of August, won't you? The other thing that's obviously going to really change, I think this is the impact of part of the Forest argument through the timing of the Brennan Johnson transfer. So, Knight uh, and Forest sold Brendan Johnson to Tottenham in August. They failed PSR. And one of their arguments is that if they'd sold him in June, when the financial year in football runs July to June, then they would have come under the limit and not failed PSR. Yep. But they obviously ended up selling for a much higher price. Now, there's two sides of the argument there. One, what's best for Knight and Forest? Should it be to maximise your revenue and your income? Yes, but the other side of the coin is, well, yeah, there's a rule and there's a deadline and you did know it was there. And they agreed to it. <laughs> and they agreed to it, which is very true. Remind me to come back to that. So I wonder now as well, it's almost like, it's say like the summer, if it's going to feel like two transfer windows now. Yep. One where pe- teams have got to make a decision before June and then it might slow down again at the start of July as it builds back towards August. Um, I remember when we bought Richarlison a couple of years ago um, that Everton needed to get the deal done before the end of June. Sure. Um, and that will count against Night in the Forest because I think the Premier League will say, well, look, we've done Everton and Everton, even Everton made the effort the year before to sell him on their previous year to get it to, on that yep. account. I mean, God knows if Everton hadn't sold Richarlison <laughs> in that June, I, I, I mean, they would have failed it horrendously, basically. Um what, what, what did I just say remind me of? About Forrest agreed to the rules, right? So Premier League clubs would have had to actually yeah. agree to this. So I wonder if now there's a lot of clubs who take a step back and think, should we change this? Because this is a really key point with the PSR at the moment is the Premier League clubs agreed to this. Yeah. It's agreed. And if you want to get a change to the rule in 14 of the 20 clubs need to change. So let's say there's a number of clubs out there went well, we want to change this. We're getting too restricted in our spending, and that can be at the top of the league and the bottom of the league, by the way. And let's get this changed. You need 14 to agree. I, I can't see where you'd get 14 to agree to change it at this stage. Uh, yeah, who who do you think would be some of the obvious ones that would be against it, the greedy six? Well, as in wanting to change. No, no, so like take who, who do you think would be the six opposed to changing it? I think Tottenham definitely would be opposed to it. Because of right now. Um, It's in Tottenham's interest because of the stadium revenue, etc. To go, yeah. And Tottenham have been operating under that model, basically, throughout Daniel Levy's tenure, trying to be sustainable. I think Arsenal would probably fall into that line as well. 
Yeah, I was thinking Perhaps that. not so much. I don't know. I don't know. The thing is, if it, if it becomes a free-for-all, free-for-all where the money being spent is irrelevant, it's kind of open market again, do Arsenal compete in the same way? Or or were you able to compete for Declan Rice because you'd been run in a way that allowed you to do that? Yeah, that's what I, I don't, don't know. I don't know either, to be honest. Yeah, I think Liverpool wouldn't want to change it either. Yeah, don't think um, FSG the owners would particularly want to get start getting into wars with the others. I think this is where it comes down to. It will New, be your New, Newcastle. Newcastle would want to change. Chelsea's, I mean, it is. It is, the, it is the one with a certain type of owners, I'm afraid yeah. to say. Newcastle would, yes, change it. They've obviously got a, a bottomless pit, would like to obviously spend whenever and wherever. City, obviously. But do you think teams like Everton, Forest, who have caught themselves stuck in this, do you think they'd actually want to change it? Or do you think it's more they've now understood how they need to operate? Because there's one thing, like I know we said like teams agree to it, but there's one thing agreeing to something verbally and then actually seeing how it plays out in reality, right? It's usually... Yeah, I mean, it, to be honest, even Everton, I mean, for Everton and Forest, they'd, they'd, they'd probably want to change it because they wouldn't be getting done now, right? Yeah. So it goes to say that but they would want to change it. long-term that actually it may benefit them? Um, not, look, the, not the penalisation, I mean the rules in place to help can't, them. can't run. speak for Forest yet, but Everton, Everton, I don't know if all Evertonians would agree with this, Everton did need protecting from themselves a little bit, I think, because it was getting out of hand. Yeah. Everton were trying to operate like a Champions League team in terms of their expenditure on salaries, etc. And we know Everton have reined it in massively over the last, I think uh, only Brighton are a lower net spend in the last three years. Wow. So they have reined it in massively. So it's actually, it's the salaries yeah. that is really what's, what's been costing Everton as a kind of hangover. Then they've got done over the, the loans they've taken against the, the stadium rather than actual their transfer expenditure. But Everton clearly was also out of control yeah. against what their income was. That said, for an Everton, their income would be like a top 10 team rather than what they are now. Yeah, Their income will be bigger than your, your Brightons, your, your Brentfords. Once it stabilises, your income in terms of like revenue, etc., endorsements, sponsorship deals, etc., should be more than these clubs that would then allow them to act back as a top 10 club. Everton's problem was to try to act like a top four club yeah. when, they, when they weren't there, basically. Um, so I think, yeah, Everton would want to change it. Forest would want to change it. But I don't think that there's too many others that it would be advantageous to them. I mean, yeah. you look at your models of your Brentfords, Brightons, etc. they're not going to change it, no. are they? And look at your Lutons. W- w- what benefit would it be t- for like a Luton who have proved, well, I'd say proved, but certainly competing very well with nothing to spend, yeah. basically. That's what makes me lean to think it would, again, the question was, yeah, well, it wasn't a question. It was, you need 14 of the 20 to do it, right? I don't see more than the greedy six that are push going for it and, Unfortunately, it is what it is now. So, but I don't even think all of the the, the greedy six yeah, do. Exactly. Like I said, what, certainly, yeah. I think particularly for Tottenham, especially because Tottenham can't compete, say, with United, Liverpool on um, off the field sales, like your your money from overseas, etc., your shirt sales, your merch, all that kind. Champions Tottenham can't League compete revenue. with that. Yeah, but if you're in the Champions League, it changes, right? Yeah. To be fair, my team's in it, been in it a lot more than, yeah, okay, the last decade or yeah, so. I was waiting like, for that. Yeah, park yourself. We're back in it one year, yeah. Joe, why don't you piss off over there and take a photograph while you're there? Um, 
Yeah, it wouldn't be in Sheffield Tottenham. United, it wouldn't be in Tottenham. I don't think it's in Arsenal's interest either. Uh, no, I, I don't, don't think, think it's so. in. I, I don't think it's in Arsenal's interest to suddenly be. Oh shit! We're in bidding wars with bottomless pits of City, no. Newcastle, and arguably Chelsea as well. No, like I don't. So, let's just say nothing changes and this happens. So the, the original thing on the poll, right, was how is this going to impact? future transfer windows and we obviously saw a drastic change from what was it you said there was a 60 last so this January window it was 16 or 18 signings the last year was 62 (laughs) admittedly half of that was not in the forest and Chelsea I think slight exaggeration yeah yeah I mean that is that's a huge drop isn't it and and the money spent as well dropped massively what do you know what the official total was on that I've not actually checked I mean Dragasin was basically the only permanent big kind of permanent money spent deal and that's 25 million I mean for perspective Chelsea um, expenditure was about 200 last I, January um, I really do think this is going to become the norm and I think you're going to see the windows split into well they are split into two but I think you're going to see the way they're treated as two different things now I think the summer is really going to be about like sustainable squad building and planning and like January typically is what opportunistic signings I think, Jan- and like, if you've kind of... Oh, oh you're in a shit. Yeah. The or, one. But I think now there's going to be a real emphasis on like real 18 to 36 month squad planning and like really thinking a bit more long term and getting things done in the summer accordingly. And I've, I think this will become the norm in January now because they won't have so much wiggle room to play around. I, I wonder if we've also hit a peak in terms of transfer fees. Nothing's got near that Neymar deal from a few years ago. And we know it was yeah. kind of astronomical and PSG fall into that that bracket. Yeah. If there isn't restrictions, kind of do what you want. Um, but nothing has got near it. No. And I wonder... What was that, 200? Yeah. yeah. I wonder how quickly something will... I think the assumption was you had Enzo Fernandez last January, then obviously like Rice and Casado this summer. And you start thinking, well, is hundred million the, the kind of new norm, almost like a new fifty or a new sixty? It's like that different ceiling. I always say when Tottenham hits ceilings and windows, others are hitting others. Yeah. So it's like, oh, everyone's spending thirty million on players, and Tottenham would be like trying to hit fifteens. Tottenham get the thirty, and everyone else is spending fifty sixty. Really good. Tottenham point. get the fifty sixty, and others are spending hundreds. That's kind of how it's always felt for me yeah. as a, as a Tottenham fan. It's not a criticism of, of the, the expenditure going on, but I just wonder, if you take the rice deal that you've done, the general word on the street was that you couldn't really do anything this month. Yeah, and, and it's not to say um, that you pay too much for rice. I don't even think anyone thinks that, for example. But I think investing in that, a, the player like that, or that heavy, means that you're not going to go and buy six or seven other players. Yeah. It's going to be like, oh, we get a timber in with it or something like that. Yeah. So I think... The sheer volume of transfers, other than for promoted clubs, I don't see it. I don't see it. For example, let let's say the restrictions are there, and Newcastle work out. For example, okay, let's let's work on a more sustainable model in terms of perhaps rather than buying fifty sixties, let's buy more twenties, thirties. But I, I don't see it being like ten of them. No. I see it still only being like four or five at a time. And then if you do kind of do that one deal for like a 70 or an 80, that might be it. Yeah. That might be sort of like all you do. And you use, like Arsenal's a good example, right? Because I think in the summer, it's well reported. I think Arsenal are probably going to look at a centre forward. Yeah. You're not going to get one for sub 60 million of the quality that Arsenal needs to get to the level they want no. to, right? So 
I think you, you're going to look at sales. For You spoke already about Nelson, Smith, uh, Nketiah, possibly Smith-Rowe. And I think Arsenal are in a position where I need to actually like, figure it out over the three-year period. But Arsenal probably do need to sell to be able to get that in. But like Declan Rice was obviously... like Everyone takes the piss out of Chelsea for the amortisation and stuff. But that is how transfers are documented, right? So like Declan Rice, 105 mil over five years, 21 mil a year. So I think that's what... Yeah, that's how it's done. But it's you need to free up the wiggle room to be able to do it. So. Yeah, the other thing that we're not privy to on, on many deals in terms of transfers is structure of payments. So yeah. what we don't know in most scenarios, let's, let's give you an example. Let, let's just use the, the Harry Kane example again, and we use Bayern Munich here as a case study, right? So Bayern Munich have bought Harry Kane for circa 100 million. Do you know how that payment's being spread? No, I do. Not a clue. No, me neither. I don't have a clue. So I don't know if Tottenham have asked for that money up front. I don't know if that's coming in like a 50 million instalment, a 25 and a 25 or five twenty million. No idea. And then therefore no, no real uh, understanding with certainty of how the accounting works from yeah. that perspective. Currently, this is an interesting number that, that Kieran Maguire did in an interview from The Price of Football. He said it was nearing the tipping point where Premier League clubs were owing 2 billion in transfer fees. Wow. So what's that? 100 million per club. Yeah. Now, let's rein in and say that Luton Town don't owe 100 million in transfer fees. <laughs> neither do Burnley, neither do Sheffield United start pulling away at that. There's going to be some out there. I think Manchester United's one I've heard reported sort of might be in excess of like 400 million well, or so. Chelsea has to be one as well. Again, it depends on the structures of how they've done their, their payments the and stuff. The volume of the players they got in on big contracts. Yeah, has to be one of the them, other yeah. thing I think you'll start seeing more of, and I'm going to use my club again as an example because it's just the easy ones for me to remember. But I mentioned earlier Romero and Kuliszewski. Yeah, so, so what were the structure of those deals? So I didn't Romero, really pay too much attention. Romero was uh, uh, he was signed, and then after he was signed, it was like, oh, actually, it's a loan. Okay. It's, it's a loan for a year. And it's a, it's a definite permanent transfer next year. It doesn't have to hit any appearances or nothing. The fee is agreed. Now, the rumour on that was that Atalanta didn't want the money then. Ah. They, wanted, they wanted the money the year after. That's the rumour. And that suited you as well? I'm going to guess so. Yeah, well, Otherwise, yeah. you don't agree yeah, to yeah, it, yeah. I suppose. David Rye is an example of something and like the that. The Kuliszewski well. one was an 18-month loan, okay. which had an obligation to... Pu- to pay a certain amount of money if Tottenham qualified for the Champions League either this season just gone or the year before. And obviously we did do it the year before, um, which is handy because I think had we not, Juventus could have negotiated for a higher price. Oh, okay. uh, Believe it or not. Do you think that will become the norm then? Not not the norm, but do you think you'll see a increase in deals like that being done? Well, I think uh, the Chelsea guys would call it clever accounting, wouldn't they? Yeah. The Chelsea guys, they'll get a lot of stick at the moment but they're looking for loopholes in rules, yeah. essentially. So clever accounting, um, like, they, they ha- let's be honest, they had the amortisation loophole of let's get a player in and amortise it over eight years. Yeah. The ruling's now changed, so it's a maximum of five years, no, la- no matter how long the length of, of the contract. But they are looking at loopholes, and they'll be looking for more loopholes now. Yeah. And I think they're, loans they're to buy, yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. If actually. it suits all parties, let's give you a hypothetical one. Let's say Arsenal buy a forward this summer, right? Yeah. And let's say, you know, you've got a player, who, uh, uh, give me, let's say Osserman. Yep. Let's just use Osserman as an example, right? Arsenal buy Osserman, but Napoli, obviously, having got the income of money from Champions League revenue this past year, perhaps 
don't want don't need that money now. Now, as it stands, I think Napoli are about seventh or eighth in Syria. Yep. So the, their revenue is probably not going to be as good next year. They might want a scenario where they would rather have the money later on. Yeah. For their account. I don't know quite how it works in yeah, Italy. No, that's but a really good from, point. from a European perspective, one of the reasons the PSR is coming in is and the reason we still use FFP is is to align with UEFA's mm. FFP ruling, which is going to be weighted more towards and the PSR will follow this, a certain amount of expenditure of your turnover being allowed for wages. That's also going to change within the Premier League as well. But take that as a circumstance. Napoli might not want the money now. Yep. The player might want to leave, so they go, well, we've got to let him go. Could you generally look at that now and go, right, it's a, it's a loan officially, and then pay. but you will pay £80 million next year. I think that's such a really smart point. I, yeah, I really think logically that, sort of, that, I think that makes sense. Well, these well. sort of things have been happening, just not to that sort of scale. Yeah. Now, your, your, your position coming into a, a new financial is a bad example because you probably don't want to do that. You'll be able to pay that money. But I think that's, that's what it sounds like happened with the Romero deal yeah. with Tottenham, where Atalanta went, it would benefit us because I think similar, they'd been in the Champions League and knew they were going to lose it, maybe. They were like, yeah, we'll have the money next year. I think that's a really good point. And you've seen it with Arsenal and David Wright, right? It was a deal where we didn't have so much room that we could afford to pay for him up front this season. So yep. I think a three mil loan fee and then we're paying the rest. I think we've already done it in January, actually. Don't quote me on that. It's either we've paid in January or going to do it in the summer. Yeah, an extra way, 27 to make yeah, it 30 or something. To yeah. back up your point, yeah, it was another deal where it so suited the, both These deals are already happening. Yeah, One that we thought we'd see more of and we haven't seen so much is straight swap deals. Uh, yeah, I never feel like they actually happen that much. No, I think part of the problem is you need you need agreement from two clubs, two, two, players, two players, and probably in most cases two sets of agents as yeah. well. So you need agreement from six parties. Do you see that happening now, though? Well, I just think with swap deals, to come back to clever accounting, you can do it right. So yeah. if you let's ju- let's just say you've got two players swapping for let's just say fifty million, they're leaving club. Let's just say Chelsea and Liverpool swap two players for fifty million pounds, right? So in, in Chelsea's example, the, let's say they're selling Gallagher, right? Selling Gallagher for fifty million, he's got a year left on his contract, right? He's a homegrown player, bang, hundred percent profit. Mm-hmm. Let's say in return, Chelsea take Curtis Jones, right? Longer contract. Liverpool might argue they want a similar amount of money, right? Just use that as a yep, hypothetical, yep. and then they spread it over five years. The, the profit over the two deals is 40 million, right? Mm. So they've sold Gallagher for 50, mm-hmm. but their expenditure is split 50 million over five years, yeah. 10 each, 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 each. So you're 40 million up. But if you reverse the transfer, it's the same for Liverpool. Yeah. So both clubs, in terms of a PSR, would be up 40 million under that circumstance. Yeah. I d- again, the logic makes... Benefits everybody, doesn't yeah, it? The logic makes sense there, but I just... I think the problem I see with straight swaps is there'll, there'll always be a club that thinks they're getting a worse off deal in terms of the quality of the asset they're getting because I can't imagine you'll go for a straight swap with someone in the same position. It will tend to probably be in different areas of your squad, but I don't know. That's just an assumption. I can't recall any successful straight swap. Sanchez, Mkhitaryan. <laughs> okay. But let's just say Forrest and Everton were in the deep shit and decided to swap Brantthwaite and Gibbs-White, <sighs> Gibbs-White wouldn't be pure profit because he's bought from Wolves. So, bad example. No, but I get uh, the logic but you're the, trying but to... But the yeah. logic, yeah. 
I, I can't see it. But again, I, I can't give you a logical reason as to why. But I'm just saying, if you've got two clubs who know they're in the shit, yeah. it's, it's a quick win. Do you think Bosman's... It's not a, it's not a quick win, yeah. but it's a win. Do you think Bosman's and Freeze might come into play? So, like someone like Gallagher, Chelsea trying to shift... Well, I don't know well, if they're trying to shift him out. Yeah, He I, wants to stay... If Gallagher, uh, this this is this is where it's interesting because I, I do I don't know if maybe the contract's not on the table or he obviously thinks he's worth more in terms of terms or money. I think um, I don't know the exact nature of how Chelsea doing their contracts, but I know they've been restructuring stuff to get people aligned under their new model rather than the old model. I don't know if that's around sort of bonus incentivization mm-hmm. they either want to bring in or take out. I'm not sure. But Gallagher will be under the old structure quite yeah. clearly if he's running out of his contract. So it might be that he just doesn't want to go to these these new terms. But if he doesn't, Chelsea are going to try and push him out the door in the summer. I mean, especially if the Chelsea situation is getting serious. One of the things we always said last year when we was laughing about the money was they can do it. Yeah. People say, how are they doing it? I said, well, it's the start of a three-year cycle. Yep. They can do it. But we always said... If you didn't get back in the Champions League and stuff, start becoming a problem. Yeah. So the, at the moment, it doesn't look like they'll get back in the Champions League. And no. you'd have to even question European football at all at the moment. It's sitting 11th, right? Yeah. So now it will become a bigger problem. And I joked yesterday about sitting on the toilet yesterday morning and, and asking, could could it be that Chelsea can't afford to sack Pochettino? Uh I heard about this. And then, do you see there was an article today about it? Yeah, last hey, night. They listened to Planet FPL? <laughs> Or someone's but watching to be you honest, in the toilet. I came to the, I, all I thought was, I thought if he's on a four or five year contract, it'll it'll possibly cost them to get rid of the whole staff. It might it might be sort of circa more than thirty million, for example, once you do a bit of negotiating or something. And I thought, would well, that be a problem, Matt? When I saw it was only two years, I thought, oh, that's probably not a problem. But then the report last year said it um, last night said that it would it would cost probably ten million. And Chelsea aren't sure if they can do it or not because they'd be that close to failing PSR as it stands. Now, I think that might be a headline story that someone's thought, oh, that's a clever idea. Let's write that up. Maybe whoever did it did listen to Planet (laughs) FPL. I I don't know. I suspect it's probably not that close. But yeah, so there's even that. Is the impact now that big that we're looking at it going... Maybe they can't sack their manager. Yeah, possibly. Imagine that. He's dragging them into a relegation fight. They thought he'd have won to go down, by the way. He's dragging them into a relegation fight. And yet, if they sack him, they'll get deducted more, more points. Jesus Christ. Chelsea obviously clearly won't go down. Yeah. But I, I think what I said on the last pod as well, the last people's poll about PSI is I believe they're just stuck with a squad of depreciating assets as well. I don't think... I think when you're... When that when your model is designed how they are, yeah, how they've gone for it, you need to be performing well, right? <laughs> to, to to have your assets at sellable prices. So if you're in the shit, you can sell them. I don't think they'll recover the same amount of money as they've laid out for a lot of their assets. So I I, I think yeah, they're not going to get Europe this season. You could argue next season you could. Like, can you foresee them breaking into the top six? I, I don't think so. Well, spend another couple of hundred million, but can not, they? I don't. Yeah. Well, you're hoping that these young players come good. Yeah, I'm, I, I well, think... Well, we're not, but, you know, I that, think for, that's our bias from across well, London. Well, yeah, no, I couldn't give a shit about them. But um, I, I think they'll be in trouble next year. I, I really think this is going to come to bite them. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious on the, the whole Bosmans and Freeze. One, one, one interesting aspect to this as well, which I think's probably not been part of the story so far, is... One of the regular questions I used to get, and I don't get anymore, is do you think it should be a salary cap? 
Okay. This is the closest you can get to it. Mm. It's a salary it, because this it's essentially a salary cap coming in within you can spend a certain amount yeah, based on it's your expenditure revenue. on everything. Now as well. the argument about that still benefits the bigger clubs and it does is for another day. But I think to go back to the Neymar point and the Rice and Casado transfers and this point as well is like my answer has always been football's is too far gone. It's gone too far to go, oh, let's restrict people to 50 grand a week. Like, there's no way you can drag it back. Yeah. It's gone too far. The, the million pound footballer, when Mbappe goes to Madrid, or he might even already be on it, like it's as in per week, yeah. he's like, it's there. I mean, there's people in Saudi on it already, aren't there? Probably. Pro- probably, probably, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, this stops that happening. And I think that the more the talking point will be, in the, if, if, say, the summer transfer window slows down a bit, then there is going to become a little bit of a levelling out, a little bit, where the clubs actually around Europe who have been so scared of the Premier League pulling away, it might drag it back in. And part of the argument to then flip that will be, from the Premier League's perspective, who are implementing these rules, are they then negatively impacting the league and its appeal in the longer term? Possibly, Because right now, under these rules, I don't think anybody in this country could buy Kylian Mbappe, even on a free transfer. Because of what he'd want, expenditure-wise. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah. It's, I don't, He's going to want they, a million a week, isn't he? To, to go to Madrid, I presume. To Madrid, yeah. But I, I do think there's probably a thing of if he does come to the Premier League. I don't, I don't know. I was going to say he would accept a lower wage. but Anyways, I'm, chatting no, I'm sure he will go to Madrid. But it's just something to think about um, in longer term. Just to update as well on Everton and Forest's appeals. Um, and punishments. Everton's appeal, to clarify, is likely to be heard in the next couple of weeks. Forrest and Everton then find out about uh, last season's failure at the start of April. They then have the right of appeal, which will be determined after the season finishes, we think, which is funny if it wasn't funny, because it's not funny. Um, And I know there's a lot of, what about this, what about that? It was just generally an open conversation about where we see transfers going no doubt we'll cover both Everton Forest I'm sure Chelsea Newcastle City in way more detail over the coming months and possibly years lovely stuff anything to add mate no nothing from me super good stuff uh soon to be back with me for the Sky Fantasy Football Podcast tomorrow I've had a stormer mate have you yeah I jumped into the top 200 last night Ooh, mm. how many transfers left 25 you can win that Come on. I'm not, I'm not telling the missus. I have had a, a jammy week, let's say. I'll talk about it tomorrow. All right, stop, yeah, sh- stop jo- sharing Join your us for that. Luton versus Sheffield United COTC with Dan Ashby and Ben Tomo Thompson on Friday. And if you've got any transfer window, FFP, PSR questions, you're welcome to throw them away on Ask James on Friday. If you want to support the show, it's www.patreon.com forward slash planetfbl. Just leave me a say thanks very much, Clayton. Be nice to each other, everyone. And cue music, please, manchild. The Fantasy Football Show. Sports Social Podcast Network.